This is the Views from the Booth podcast, your reference guide into the world of sports broadcasting. Here's your hosts, J.J. Duke and Joe Vasile. Welcome back to Views from the Booth. Good to be back with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. J.J. and Joe here with you. Hope you guys enjoyed our last episode where Joe and I discussed the job search and how to navigate through those really difficult waters. And it seemed like we got a pretty good response early doors, but it was a nice conversation. I feel like that might even tie into a little bit of today's episode when we talk about the preparation side of things in terms of how we get ready for a game. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to, to go through because there was, I, I feel like there's one big thing every year that I <laughs> figure out that I should have known about before. So um, I'm excited to, to just be able to, to share that. And who knows, maybe you know something that I don't that, uh, that I can then steal going into next year. Definitely. And for those who are listening, if you know something that we don't know, especially if it's in terms of preparation techniques, little tricks of the trade that you figured out, let us know. All you have to do, uh, hit us up on a number of our different social media platforms. We'll get to that at the end of the show, but you can always drop us a line uh, on our email address, viewsfromtheboothpod at gmail.com. And also make sure to subscribe, check us out. We're basically everywhere where podcasts are these days. Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it, we are there. So yeah, preparation. Um, it seems a little bit nuts and bolts-like because there are, I don't want to say like the specifics that you have to have for every broadcast, but once you get beyond that point, that's where things really make or break your type of show because it's the little nuggets, and I'm not just talking about fun facts. Yeah, those are great too, but it's the little nuggets that you find in doing research. It's the conversations that you have with people around that different program that is going to make or break your show. So those are going to be some of the things that we will be talking about. Um, and also a bit about how to manage yourself on game day too, because I think that in and of itself can be a daunting task where all of a sudden you start thinking of things, oh, last minute, I should jot this down. You don't want to cram because then all of a sudden you just forget everything that you've done up until that point. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But yeah, uh, right into the nuts and bolts. So just a bunch of quick hitters. And for those thinking, yeah, this might be basics. It is a little bit, but it's always nice to have a bit of a refresher. It's not so much going back to elementary school, but hey, it's always good to have the reminders there. So yeah, quick hitters. I mean, if you don't already have the players, name hometown by the way the right way to say their name yes always the reference guide media guide should have some sort of pronunciations there get those right previous school current stats last year's stats those are all things that you should <clears throat> pretty much keep going um, for every game records current and previous season little trends stuff like that um, national rankings which I know that's become a big thing now when we talk not so much about like your analytics or sabermetrics, especially on the baseball side where teams stack up against each other. But there are some trends, say a basketball team, great defensive team because their steals per game ratio and also their turnovers to assist ratio. Those are things that you want to keep an out for. Those, again, are very nuts and bolts. We're not going to really dive too much into that. But I think a big one today that we like to talk about, especially when you build your prep, is how to navigate your resources. Um, Joe, when you, and we'll take your work with Scranton Wilkesbury, there has to be like two or three places that you usually go when you're doing your game day prep. Yeah, there, there are. Um, 
And for minor league baseball, especially in, in the situation that we're in doing the media relations, it's a little bit different. Um, but we have essentially access to what's called the, the stat portal, which is baseball's backend uh, stat database. And it has anything you could ever hope to have on a player. Uh, it's probably in there. If you want to know what Brett Gardner hit on Tuesdays against left-handed pitchers in the AL West, you can probably find that information pretty easily. Um, how useful is that? It's not, but you can find it. Um, so that's always a big one where I'll look at, you can pull up individual pages, career histories, game by game through the whole season. So you can visualize trends. You can see all right, batting average at the start of this hitting streak was 272 at the end of the hitting streak, it was 305. That's a notable thing. Uh, baseball reference is great for that as well. Um, and, and for me, I, I, I like the analytics. I'm into sabermetrics, so I'll check out a guy's fan graphs page as well. But the biggest thing in terms of baseball prep, and is even though I am a numbers guy, I don't really get into that too deeply a lot on the broadcast because a lot of it just comes from reading, knowing what's going on around the league, talking to guys either in the clubhouse or down around the cage of batting practice, conversations with coaches. Um, but in terms of the places I go for information, it's, you know, their pages on whatever various website that whether it's baseball reference or the stat portal or just their MILB player profile that comes up when you go to the team roster and you click on their name because That'll have all their transactions. It has all their seasons. It's kind of a one-stop shop. So if you need to come up with something quickly on the fly during a game because you haven't prepped as much as you should have for that player, it's there. Um, outside of online, um, and a lot of times now teams are putting their game notes online, but going through the game notes, reading the player bios in there, if I have time at the beginning of the season, in the days before a team comes to town, looking at their media guide and and kind of skimming through those bios for the players that uh, I think are going to, you know, be of an impact in the series. And then I know a lot of guys use OneNote. Um, I use a, a program called Evernote. That's essentially the same thing. And I just organize it all up by team, by player. Each player has his own page. And if I find something interesting, I just kind of store it away there. So that way, if it's something I don't end up referencing for another two, three weeks, it's still there because I know I've got this note on Carter Keyboom. Let me go see what that is. Okay, here it is. I saw this article on this one website talking about him. Uh, so it's just a variety of different things, but uh, just for the nuts and bolts stuff, it's that stat portal, uh, baseball reference, fan graphs are kind of the three go-tos in terms of that prep. And then everything else is kind of gravy. And I think one of those that's kind of important because for those listening, you're already hearing three big reference guides and then talking about how to store notes away. Don't get overwhelmed when you're dealing with stats. I know you don't want to be one track mind and only think about the important things. So in baseball, your slash lines, um, home runs, RBI, stuff like that. Yeah, you don't want to get one track, but at the same time, kind of at least familiarize yourself where things are because like Joe said, if you come into a situation where you do have to remember how someone uh, productive against left-handers in certain situations, runner on second, runners on second and third, 
it's a lot easier for you then to go back and reference that as opposed to in the middle of the at bat, hoping maybe your color guy is going to cover you for 30 seconds. So you go flip through it. You already know where it is. Um, for me, where I deal a lot with college stuff, um, I love to go through the player bios. And what I mean going through the player bios, yeah, knowing some nuggets about kids in their days in high school, um, especially for the freshmen and sophomores, you might want to know like, okay, was this kid uh, all state? Was this someone that was in the IMG top 150? Those are great stats to know. But also SIDs do a very good job at updating those throughout the season. So if you forget maybe two weeks ago, and it's not baseball where you're playing every day, but maybe two or three games ago where uh, say so-and-so had a double-double against, or excuse me, yeah, double-double against Lehigh, but you forget, uh, was that rebounds number close to their career best? Just go back and keep those pages open. Uh, nowadays, I think everybody has computers or iPads with you, so you can just go ahead and flip that versus writing back. Though I do know some people still love the old-school write-out prep because it does stick a little better than all the power to you because my handwriting is atrocious at the best, but it's knowing where these things are, because again, you don't want to overwhelm yourself because then all of a sudden you're stuttering. Things might happen that you miss. Just keep it simple, but know where things are. Yeah. I'm for college. That's exactly it. Those, the individual player pages, the bios that are on there, the everything that the SIDs put together, the sports information directors to make that information so easily accessible. Um, it's a lifeline. It, there was simply, I, I know you can do the job without it. I just don't know how I would do it because it is that valuable of a resource where if I'm going and doing a game, even if it's a college football game and it's a roster of a hundred kids, I'm still looking at every single bio on there. Even if it's, you know, the fifth string offensive lineman, who knows if that guy gets in. And I just feel like it's if nothing else, it's good information. No, because maybe he was a high school teammate of somebody else on the team. So then if I dropped it, so-and-so is out of Lee high school, I could say there's four players from that high school on this team. You know, even it's not a, a huge thing, but it's a little extra thing sprinkled in that maybe I wouldn't have realized if you didn't take the time to go through all that and kind of um, put together at least a mental file of that information. Now, the other thing that we would go into in this nuts and bolts sort of start of prep, and I know this is a big conversation point for a lot of people, is what type of prep work works for you? And I know Joe and I were talking a bit before the show about how we've kind of evolved over the years. Um, different formats work best. And I think we should start out by saying upfront, everybody has their own way of preparing for a game. I've already noted that, or you've noted that, you have your one note system where you have a little something for everybody in addition to your spotting charts and maybe some notes scribble on the sides. Um, I have my own style of spotting charts, but uh, the thing is, I think we evolved along the way and there are so many different templates out there. I think that's where people get, I don't want to say confused or overwhelmed, but they start choosing, okay, so I see this and that means I need to use it. Yeah. Go ahead and download that template if it's there, but work with what works best for you. And then if you see something and if you like it, 
maybe even go ahead and ask a colleague, say, hey, I noticed that you used this in the past. Where'd you get it? And how do you go about it? Might be a five, 10 minute conversation, but it may pay off for you down the road. Yeah. And that's one of those things that I'm, I'm constantly, and I know you're constantly, and we're all constantly working on and tweaking. Like the first version of my chart for whatever sport looks a lot different than what they look like right now, because every year, even sometimes in the middle of seasons, you're going through and you're altering the way that you're organizing your information to get more things in, to take things out that you're never really referencing or make more space for things. Um, I know this year, something I want to try to do is almost do it more of a hybrid. I've always done my charts on the computer. I've always done it and then printed them out. This year, I think I want to change it up and just get the height, weight, hometown, name, that kind of stuff done on the computer and then some of the other biographical information handwrite in and do it as a little bit of a hybrid to maybe help that uh, stick in a little more. I don't know if I'm going to keep with that, but try it. Like, so it's, it's an ever-evolving process of tweaking how I want it to look and how I want to organize the information so that I can best reference it uh, when the time comes. And, and honestly, that's the most important thing. Like, you can have the most impressive-looking charts in the world with great information on them. But at the end of the day, if it comes down to it in the game and you have a nugget that you can't reference because you can't find it and it's not easily accessible, it's not really worth much. It isn't worth much. And the other one that kind of sticks out to me is um, I always had an issue early on of like, how much should I put in for a person outside of just their basic statistics? Um, the thing that I realized was in doing prep, probably somewhere between two thirds to three quarters of the information you put down initially, you may not use in that game alone, just because, you know, something changes throughout the game or that person doesn't start or, you know, you might just have one of those wild endeavors of a nine goal thriller that, you know what, you just are not going to get down to talking about this person played for this club growing up and they went on to face so-and-so. Um, those are the ones that were frustrating because you go after the game, you think, man, I spent all that time researching this and it doesn't work. Don't get frustrated. You might use that again down the road. Um, but that's where you kind of evolve in that prep work to figure out what's works best for you. Uh, when I was starting out, I used to put everything on a word document. So that just shows how far I've come from the beginning where, you know, list out everybody numerically lowest number to highest number name, look, uh, hometown, et cetera. And then like one to two lines about each person. Yes, I know that's very rudimentary at the start. But again, that's kind of the reason why we started this because we're using this as an opportunity to let people know it's okay to make those mistakes early on because you're learning. Um, the biggest ones for me in terms of the spacing and how much to put, you want to make sure, or at least I want to make sure I know the career stuff if necessary. If it's a younger player, maybe what they did at the level before, get that out of the way and then just pick and choose. If there's a nugget that you love, go ahead and throw it in there. But if it's like six or seven that you think, okay, I might not use this one today, do what Joe does. Put it down in a, you know, a backup spot somewhere just so you have it for down the road. Yeah, I mean, at, uh, at Bucknell, one of our players, uh, her father played for the Washington Generals, the team that always loses to the Globetrotters. 
I never used that the whole season. If maybe I used it once, but like I just never had an opportunity. But that's still that's something I have filed away just. mentally because I just know, okay, her dad. Boom. I, and it was something that was on the charts early on. And I realized, oh, this is just taking up space. It's something I know. I haven't really had an occasion to reference it, so I'm going to lose this in favor of something that's more useful. And that's another thing to, to kind of take note of is like, if you notice there are certain things that you're never talking about and you're prepping for those things, maybe don't prep for those things, at least not in that way. You talk about like what club a player played for. You know, I both do a lot of soccer and we know that obviously club soccer in high school is a big thing in terms of helping to feed kids into college programs. Um, if a kid plays for a high level club, all right, fine, I'll, I'll drop that in. But if it's not a club that I recognize as being one of the top, it's probably not going to be something that's going to make that player's chart just because it's like, Am I going to drop that in just to drop it in? Or is it going to be something that helps tell the story of that play? Um, and maybe it does. It's like, hey, this player played for a club that no one's ever heard of before. And now is this great college player. Like, maybe that is an important part of the story. But if it's not, then it doesn't necessarily really need to be there. Um, and that's the thing that takes a lot of practice, figuring out, all right, where do you cut it off? How do you not over-prepare and go down rabbit holes that you really don't need to be going down because your time can be spent much more wisely on something else. And what is actually a pretty good, interesting nugget that helps tell the story of that player? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of these that we went through, if you haven't, I don't want to say figure it out, like what you should be looking for in the prep versus what not to definitely take a few notes of what we've just gone over because yeah, there is kind of that line between over and under prepping and then finding the stuff that works for you, finding the stuff that you might want to keep around just in case versus, okay, the Washington generals that I will have to ask you though, if this player, I don't know who it is. Didn't ever ask you before. If this player makes kind of a, Oh uh, yeah, I could see that in a globe trotters game where all of a sudden just, slipping almost on the imaginary banana peel. I think I might throw that in there just because it, it would almost be fitting. Um, but yeah, yeah, it would have to be under the right circumstances. Yeah. But again, it, that's always the ones they just, yeah, you know what, if it comes a time, great. If not, I'm not going to sweat about it. So those are some of the nuts and bolts we want to go over. Another key thing, um, not only that will help you in your prep work, whether it's for a game or the upcoming season, but something that can help you down the road. Um, your relationship with either a sports information director, a team or a media relation, or excuse me, a team or a league media relation director, those relationships help you as a broadcaster so in so many ways. And one of those reasons why is, especially for me on the college level, and I know Joe, you'll talk about this at the uh, professional level as well, that these are the people, their jobs, I don't wanna say are directly for the broadcasters and make sure they've got the information that they need, they have to put the information out there so that it can be readily available. And if they do the work and you follow through, those are some of the things that if you can bring those two things together makes really for a beautiful broadcast. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the sports information director at the college level wears so many different hats um, just for whatever sport they happen to be covering. They are the person who generally stats 
the games while they're going on. They're sitting there. Maybe they have somebody next to them calling out, you know, a number of a player, this, that, the other thing. They are in charge of all of that. They're tweeting. They're making sure the stats are right on the website. They're dealing with all kinds of things. Um, And one of those is the public relations aspect of it, handling media requests, handling just general publicity for their teams. So if you're getting ready to call a game of a team, especially one you've never seen before, sports information director is going to be your best friend um, because they are going to make a lot of getting to that next level stuff um, possible for you. You know, I forget who it was that said, basically, look, anybody can go on to the team website, look at the bios and go and call a game. But what helps to start get that separation is, all right, you and I have access as the broadcasters to these coaches, to these players. So that's what separates us from the fans at home. So we need to make the most of that. And the only way you can do that is by getting in contact with the sports information director. They can hook you up with a coach, player, if you want to go that route. And they can also give you the inside story of the team because they've been there for the whole season. So if this is the first time I'm seeing Iona soccer this year, I can look at the box scores of their games and I can read the recaps and I can get a general idea of how their season's gone. But when I talk to their SID or their coach, they're going to tell me probably a little bit more that I can't get just from those things because they've been there. They've seen it. And, you know, when you look at a box score recap, there are just certain things that aren't going to be there that uh, maybe are important. And uh, so developing those relationships is going to help unlock a lot of that. And also you have to be smart about what you are going to then take and use and what you just kind of let be between you and you and the SID or coach. Yeah. SIDs, media relations directors, not only can they be just, as you said, the relationship that you build, but they can be really a lifeline for your career in a sense. And it's kind of a twofold thing. It's the individual game aspect because um, I feel like a bit of the work that they do, uh, Joe already mentioned about kind of the public relations front and how they present the team and what information they put out there. If the broadcaster utilizes that information to the best of their abilities and presents it in a way that will help a broadcast. Not only does it make you look good, but it makes them look good because then to their superiors, they know that, okay, so our guys doing the job that they need to presenting our team, the best information on the flip side of that, if, and this goes in two ways, if you bring up a stat and this has happened a couple of times, you bring up a stat that you research about the team works and the SID didn't have the time to do and you didn't check with them before that's kind of a bad look on them because it says well you know appreciate the fact that you're going over the you know over the top in your work but you know kind of leaving our guy out to dry not great and then the more common thing is you get a statistic wrong or a name wrong that's easily there for you to go and get but you just never took the time to ask the SID or the media relations person that looks very bad on you and why this comes around is not only just the individual game aspect, but the career aspect, the manner of which that you approach your work. We've said this before, will help you on to bigger and better things. So 
the SIDs and media relation people also notice this. You do your job, you work well with them. They might re reference you to someone else if they're looking for somebody for, to cover a game. But if you don't do the job, kind of go about it the wrong way, well, you might be looking elsewhere. Yeah, and it's funny. It's it's not even the SIDs at your school, but but like I said, for the ones that you're calling against, because I've had on more than one occasion where I've showed up to a press box for a game and the SID was also watching a road game for another sport that he or she covered. And there was a comment about whoever was broadcasting that game um, about, ah, they keep mispronouncing, you know, the head coach's name or something like that throughout the whole thing. And it's just like, okay, this noted that, okay, that, that's something that, yes, you guys are keeping tabs on and you notice um, one, but also it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's not even necessarily a face-to-face -face thing, but where you have to worry about it for you, but for others, because again, you, you never know down the road when you might be dealing with this person again. And if they just remember you as, oh yeah, that was the guy who couldn't say anybody on the team's name, right? Um, we have a pronunciation guide. Every team's got one. Um, so it's just, uh, it's one of those, one of those things where it's just attention to detail in when you find a stat, if it's not something that you're necessarily sure of, just reach out and check or ask before the game. And if you're, they're not sure and you're not sure, maybe you just, doesn't matter how long you spent looking that up and finding it. Maybe you just kind of take a step back or you say, when you present it, we think this is correct, but we can't confirm. Again, you, you have to judge the situation, what the right move would be there. But um, there's certainly ways around it. But yeah, getting information right is, and saying people's names right is the easiest thing in the world for us. And yeah, it, it reflects poorly on us. It reflects poorly on SIDs when we're on the air saying things wrong. And, and obviously nobody wants that. Yeah, absolutely. And again, as we said, these are the, your resources, you know, reach out, talk with them. But at the same time, Joe mentioned this and it's perfect. They also wear many hats. So this kind of brings the last point of this part of the show is how to manage, you know, kind of that day of, you know, at what times do you want to get in the ear of these people? What times do you have to let them be and let have them actually do their job it is important because, you know, as Joe said, this could be someone that will be getting the lineups, doing the public address announcing, calling stats, doing social media. Yeah, SIDs, media people do like six, seven jobs during the course of a game. So always good to maybe check it, check in with them day before, say, hey, what's a good time that we could just chat quickly if you don't have any time right now. Hour before the game, usually okay. 20 minutes before. Don't even think about it because they're running. I don't want to say their heads cut off like a chicken, but things like that. Those are something to watch out for. But yeah, um, you know, those are great resources, people to definitely keep an eye on and work with because it helps you then and it helps you down the road. But the last one that I wanted to talk about today in this show, um, we talk about reaching out to coaches, reaching out to players. You talked about on day of games, standing around the cage for batting practice, going into the manager's office. Not only does the work with the numbers on your prep sheet matter a lot, but it's the stories and the things that you hear when talking to people that really complete your work, not only just for the prep in itself, but it's going to help for the storylines. And 
for you, Joe, how important is it not only just to have a name that goes to the face and maybe a couple words here or there, but building that relationship with players, with coaches mean to you? I mean, it's probably the most important thing. I, you know, it's weird because when you ask me about, you know, prepping for baseball, especially like I don't do like a ton, a ton of prep. Like a lot of it is in that relationship building. It's in reading articles and keeping up to date with what's going on in baseball and being somewhat familiar. And then, yeah, looking, looking at the players as they come through. Um, There certainly is a lot. I don't want to undersell it, but it's just different than other sports um, in that it is more relationship based because, you know, if someone, if there's a funny play in a game on Monday night, on Tuesday afternoon, I can go up to that player and say, Hey, what, what happened there? I couldn't quite, like was it a bad hop did you maybe misjudge the ball like what what happened there um and it's very easy to kind of get those conversations uh this is a terrible example because i didn't actually follow through on this but last year i was watching uh, a major league game where stephen tarpley was in and one of the broadcasters said that he learned his changeup from Johan Santana when he was a minor leaguer uh, in the Baltimore Orioles organization. Tarpley never came back down, so I never got a chance to go up to him and ask him to confirm that story. But if he was, and then we ran into each other in the clubhouse, I would have gone up and said, like, hey, Steve saw you in the, in the game the other night, whatever. They were talking about this. Is that true? And then if he says yes, well, then it's something that, I want to then drop a nugget in and it's not something that's written in an article anywhere. Like I can't, I looked it up. I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, You know? And so it's, it's finding a lot of those stories and just kind of having those kinds of conversations. We had a pitcher, Chance Adams, who grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona. Last year, Rail Riders manager was Jay Bell, who was an Arizona Diamondback. And there was a conversation not had by me, but had by Adam Giardino with Chance Adams one day where he found out that, oh yeah, Adams was at game seven, I think, of the World Series in 2001 when Jay Bell scored the winning run. Like, and he, like, he remembered watching that. Um, and again, that's a story. That's a, that's a great nugget. It's not mine. I'm not taking credit for it, but that you wouldn't have gotten without having those conversations and having the relationship to be able to go up to a guy and just say, have a conversation about anything because you never know where it goes. And I feel like there's the caveat of it shouldn't always be about getting information. Hey, what'd you get for lunch today? You know, what'd you do during the off season? If it's, you know, at the early part of the year, like just those kind of, you know, what are your plans for the all-star game? Those kinds of conversations are just people talking. So then when you do need something or whatever, it's a lot easier to just go up and approach someone because you already have that relationship established and they don't see you coming and just think, Oh boy, he's going to try and mind me for something right now and just completely shut down and and not even want to talk to you. Two things that came from that. First off, it's the listening part as the interviewer is always important when you're, if it's a formal interview or if it's just a conversation, you always want to be present in those one-to-one moments or two-to-one moments because you're going to learn so much more 
by not just thinking about what your next question is going to be, but listening to what a coach or what a player has to say. You were talking about the uh, the changeup and you know, on Santana. I mean, just the fact that you were listening to the game and going about and not thinking about like the next three things that would help you in your broadcast. That's where things would come back to you and be like, okay, yeah, you know what? something like this would help um for me we talked obviously i'm a big soccer guy myself so when i'm calling a match i'm not thinking about like oh how a striker needs to get in these positions to be successful but how does a coach kind of tweak their system and um do they see spots in the field that would work well for them that they can overload to then set up those players to have success in the box um those are things that i love listening to because yeah you know coaches I can't always joke this with a lot of people. Coaches and players usually are the ones that once they get rolling, they don't stop because they love talking about the game. And um, for me, uh, recently I actually had a chance to talk with Bill Currier, who's the head coach of Fairfield Baseball. And I was listening about how this past, well, this current off season that they didn't really want to have, but they were forced to kind of adapt and, you know, what can work best? How can we get the best out of players? They would have former major league players come in and talk to them. And I think to myself, wow, I haven't heard player X's name in a while, but they talk about the mental side of the game and how that just doing simple exercises can help them in the off season, and then prepare themselves for the next season. I wouldn't get that in just a formal interview, but sitting and listening is massive. Now the last little bit that you said where a player would be like oh here comes this guy again here comes a radio guy I want to talk about something else tone in interviews and there's that word again tone um, your tone in conversations are is crucial because yeah you can have this approach that's sounding very business like you just want to get to the point great but that's kind of a turnoff for future conversations because yeah you will get that label as being the guy that just wants the answers that's it in and out you want to be someone that, yeah, you do your job, but you do genuinely want to create relationships, not just in broadcasting, but life in general, because, hey, you might see these people down the road again and, you know, might go grab a beer after a point when both of you guys are retired and talk about the good times. Yeah, and that's, even if the conversation is just, hey, how's it going? I'm good. Like, even if that's just it, like the ability to have a friendly conversation is going to open up a lot of doors in that regard. And, you know, there are some people and and some advice that I kind of heard early in my career that I have adjusted my take on over the years of like, well, don't, don't become friends with players. Don't get too close. I, I don't think that's a problem. Like, yeah, there's, you have to know where the line is in those relationships where it is a work relationship, but away from the field, it doesn't mean like you have to be like, if you're out somewhere and you see a player on your team, that doesn't mean you have to leave. It doesn't mean you can't go up and say hi and just have a friendly conversation. Um, you know, that's, again, those are things that are just going to help you down the road in the long term. And yeah, like you don't want to get yourself in a bad situation. And if you feel like it is impacting your job, you know, that's something that you're going to have to confront. But, you know, as long as you're able to separate your personal relationship with the job you have to do and the job that that athlete has to do, I don't really see any issue with developing a relationship again, that goes beyond just the work side of things. And 
obviously it's a lot easier more in the, in the professional sports sense than it is in the college sports sense. Cause I'm in my later twenties now. I don't connect with college students as well. Like I'm like 50 on the inside. So I don't really connect with college students the way that I might've seven, eight years ago when I was in college. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you just, I don't know. I just try to be a friend first because that's going to make the work side of things easier. And, um, you know, I'm not going to anyone's wedding, but you know, I can, I can see them at Chipotle and, you know, not feel weird about saying like, Hey, is this seat taken? Uh, and sit down and have lunch with them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the one, I think the asterisk I'm going to put in there, uh, what you're saying about, um, you don't always have to feel scared about approaching someone, but at the same time, you also don't want to be like all of a sudden do the complete 180 and be a fan who also happens to be a broadcaster because that also gives players or coaches or whoever kind of like the, oh, yeah, okay, here comes this person as well. What are they going to ask for this time? Or, you know, all of a sudden they're just going to talk me up when I just want to sit here and have a dinner. Um, or just like relax with my friends. I think that's a big one, but absolutely. It's when you go about this business, I know times become so tedious and you know, you're just grinding out games at times and you do have to enjoy some of these moments. Um, I know kind of getting a little bit off topic on the prep side of things, but when you do build these relationships with people, um, whether it's the ones that you're broadcasting or maybe some of the behind the scenes people, um, it comes back to help you in a lot of different ways. And I thought some of the things that you just said really kind of hit home because yeah, um, players will be more happy for you or coaches will be happy for you to approach them. If you take their job seriously and by doing the work, they'll then take your job seriously. And it's just a very nice uh, atmosphere. And I guess just one kind of, last thing on that and maybe this is even off topic too but not only in in approaching your job seriously but in terms of how you criticize team player whatever um i have found coaches players whoever they are they're fine with criticism as long as you're being fair yeah right as long as you are being fair in what you're saying then one you have nothing to you have nothing to run from or back down from. Um, and coaches and players are generally okay with it. Like they know when they make a mistake, they know when they made a bad play. Um, you don't have to harp on it, but you know, don't also insult your audience's intelligence. Like, yeah, they know that a bad play just happened. And if you try to cover it up and make it sound like it wasn't a bad play, then you're going to lose credibility. Um, what I've also found is that, uh, families of players are maybe a little more defensive in that regard. And maybe they say something like, Hey, this guy was saying some bad stuff about you. And if there is that relationship there, they know they can come to you and say like, Hey, I heard you were saying X, Y, Z. And then you can explain, well, here's kind of what I said. I have a recording. I could play it for you if you want, you know, and just be upfront about it. Be a pr- Don't get defensive. Um, and again, that'll come from having a good relationship uh, and that making your job easier in terms of what you do on the air. And when that relationship's good, it'll, it'll help you find those nuggets and, and just stumble across those things in conversations. Uh, and if they do come across just randomly in conversation, always ask if I, if you can use that. 
Right. That's, that's another thing. If you're not sure, or even if you are kind of sure that it's okay, always, always, always make sure to ask, Hey, can I use that before you use it? Because you never know if they think player coach, whoever is saying something to you, you know, just as friends, you to them, that isn't for the air. You don't want to make the mistake of putting something that should have stayed private out in the public. Always make sure you ask if you have any question ever about should I use this nugget or that nugget. So that way you're always um, in the right about what you use. It's better to not use something than to use something you shouldn't. Or, and I think to add on that as well, to kind of round this out is if you're going into a conversation and all of a sudden it becomes kind of that, like, I don't want to say the friendly banter, but it's maybe getting off topic. You could just remind, you know, the person that you're talking with, if this is a work situation, Hey, you know, I just love to kind of stick with this. We could talk about other stuff later, but this is kind of a working interview let's just move on here. It's okay. They'll understand because again, that goes back to the player coaches respecting your job because you're going and respecting what they have to do. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of it for this show in terms of the prep. Now I know um, the nuts and bolts, we kind of flew by and talking about, you know, interview techniques versus um, just having building those relationships and good conversations. Um, If we didn't hit something that you wanted to hear, let us know. Because again, as we said at the top, we're learning just as much as you're learning. So um, where you can get us at, uh, email us views from the booth pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at the VFTB underscore pod, Instagram at views from the booth underscore pod, or just on Facebook at views from the booth podcast. You can find Joe on Twitter at Joe Vasile PBP, Instagram at Joe Vasile. I'm at JJ Duke 21 and on Instagram at JJ Duke 21. Joe, good stuff. I think this was a show that people definitely could take a lot from. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Just in, in terms of, Prep. I mean, you, you never know where it's going to come from. You, you really don't. Um, there's kind of the skeleton of where you generally go, but then you just got to look to the world for inspiration. Boy, that sounds cheesy. Wow. Uh, but hey, yeah, you just, you never know. And, and so much of it comes from the relationships that you're able to build. Um, and it's the stuff that you get there that's going to help take what you deliver as a broadcaster to the next level, it's going to help set you apart from everyone else because the things you get from your relationships, that's what you uniquely bring to the table that I don't, you know, JJ is going to be able to get stuff about Fairfield volleyball, that I'm not going to be able to get because his relationships over there are better than mine and not necessarily a knock on me, but, that's just the fact of the situation. So, um, you know, it's, it's those little things that are going to help set you apart and, and kind of help set you up for, for success on the preparation side of things going into a broadcast. And ultimately it's going to make it sound better for those at home because they might learn something at home just as much as you're learning in the build up to it. Joe, good stuff. Looking forward to next time. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in this episode uh, of Views from the Booth podcast. If you want to catch up on any of your past episodes, you could find us everywhere that podcasts are produced. See you all next time.